afternoon, Trent. Oh. I completely forgot to move my mic over. This is a, a, a new mic the last couple of weeks. I still got to get used to it. Good afternoon, traders. How y'all doing today? Hope you're having a fantastic Monday. Hope everything is going well to start your week out. Um, what's new? See a couple new faces in the stream today. Michael, Simon, glad you're here, my friend. Nathan, good to see you. And, of course, a few more new faces in the Discord. So we're always excited to have new people joining in on the live stream and joining in on Outlier. We're here for you. So, Jean-Louis, glad you're here, my friend. All right. Um, let's jump into Jean-Louis' question, in fact, on the Discord. So, Jean-Louis, he says, hey, your new t-shirt looks awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, I think he's talking about my um, Scrooge McDuck shirt from last week. Dude, uh, just wait until my uh, my Scrooge McDuck painting gets here. I'm very excited about that. It's this big painting where Scrooge McDuck is like uh, smelling money. Yeah, I'm, I'm such a Scrooge nerd. Uh, but either way. Uh, Rabbi, hola, que paso? Donna, good afternoon. Glad you made it. All right. So Jean-Louis had a question. And I want to chat on that real quick. Um He's having a frustrating issue lately. It seems has plagued all of his scan results. While the stocks themselves have performed well, he's having a problem with the negligible option volume or significant spreads. Have I observed this phenomenon as well? So he gave a couple examples, and I, I really appreciate the examples, Jean-Louis. That makes this a lot easier. So EVH popped up on his scan, but it had minimal option volume. So let's go to EVH real quick. All right, so here's EVH. Now, of course, this is a few days after his question, so things will have changed a little bit. Generally, my criteria for trading liquidity is 250 plus on about uh, 21 days out. So this is 18 days out, so I would consider that. 250 plus, I would consider that as well. This is 284 at the moment. This spread, 20 cents wide, that fits in my criteria as well. I like 50 cent or less bid-ask spread. The only issue you may run into is the extrinsic value. 72 cents on... Um, wait a minute. That spread just widened up really big right there. <laughs> that was like 20 cents a second ago. Either way. Um, now it's like 65 cents. So let's just do the math. So 72... Now it's 92. This is all over the place right now. We'll go with the one above it. 35 cents on 390. So 35 on 390 is basically 9% extrinsic value. That's really low. I like that. 90 cents on 215 is 41% extrinsic value. So generally, I go for 20% or less on the extrinsic value. So that would be one that I would skip for a couple reasons. A is the extrinsic values too high. B, the width is kind of all over the place. It was fine a minute ago, but it's not now. And C, if I were to go to a different strike, the, the option volume is not there. So I would skip that. But I, I'm really picky. I'm really picky because I've lost a buttload of money not being picky, if that makes sense. Brian, hey man. So he also saw SEM, which also... so. EVH had about 3 million shares. SEM has about 1.3 million shares traded. Um, once again, with no option volumes and widespread. So let's go to SEM, see what he's talking about. So March 18th, I like that. So yeah, absolutely. There's no open interest here whatsoever. And 265 to 380, that's over a dollar wide. What is that percent? 
So 380 minus 265 divided by 380. So it's a 30% width of that, which means if you bought on the ask and sold to close on the bid, you lose 30%. I'm sorry, you lose. <laughs> That's why I don't do that. That sucks. Yeah, you definitely don't want to trade that. So going back to his question, a um, couple of things. What factors determine option volume and could low volume uh, could low volume of options be tied to the disparity between mar the market price and market breadth? I don't know if it necessarily has to be so much on part two because the market breadth, as we'll discuss later, I mean, it just continues to trend down while the market price continues to trend up, right? I mean, there's there's huge disparities here. I'm not the only one who sees this, but you may I may be the only one you are hearing talking about it. But let's talk about what open interest and, and volume are, right? What does it mean with open interest and volume? High volume and high open interest basically reflects that people are excited to trade it, right? There's lots of interest among traders and investors regarding a particular uh, option strike or a um, or that stock or that uh, uh, expiration, something like that. There's lots of interest in the option and the price is well supported. The market for that is liquid and pricing pricing should be efficient, meaning you don't have to give up 30% to get in and out, right? If we go to SPY and we go same 18 days out, it's a penny wide. If we go to NVIDIA, same 18 days, days out, it's... 25 cents wide 25 cents wide on a 700 contract that's huge uh, but then we go to something like bkng which i know people love selling spreads on these like the open interest is garbage and then your spreads are crazy you know three dollars wide whatever so this is a 3500 stock so it can definitely vary but it doesn't necessarily reflect that the bigger the stock, the bigger the spread. It's not always the case. But you want liquidity, and liquidity means you can get out and be efficient without losing a lot, right? So a low open interest just means the opposite, right? People aren't interested in it. But I want to talk about the difference in volume and um, open interest because I, I trade on open interest. I don't even look at volume. I look at open interest. I want to know how many people want to trade with me. Not how many people already have, but how many people want to trade with me. Volume is the total number of contracts bought and sold in a particular time period. I've also found this to be incredibly inconsistent with Tastyworks. I'm telling you, I will have bought plenty of these and it doesn't even reflect on the volume. So I just quit even looking. Uh, and that's calculated every contract, but volume represents daily for the period studied. So open interest is the number of open positions, outstanding contracts for an option. So these are positions that people want to be filled. They are not yet expired, not exercised, or closed out by an offsetting trade. Each can provide insight into a trader's demand for market liquidity and potential price moves. Um, open interest is the total number of outstanding option contracts that have not been closed out, exercised, or expired. So this is where my face, my, my, not my face, but my head is at. I want to know who wants to trade with me. There are 70, it could be one person with 70 contracts, or it could be 70 people with one contract on this. Let me go to SEM. One of his examples. And like, there's nobody, there's nobody home, right? Nobody's trading this. Nobody has any positions going on out here. I mean, cumulatively, we got two, four, five, 63, 130 total option contracts that 
are going to be filled, right? And let's say if, if my order is for 100 contracts, then I'm not going to get filled at a good price. No way. So let's go to like the spy and you look at open interest on the spy. We're talking thousands on any strike. Go to NVIDIA. We're talking thousands on any strike. You go to Apple. We're talking thousands of open interest on any strike. And occasionally you will see these that are like randomly like, why is this so low? That's because this is a new option. This probably wasn't there a week ago. Or let's say today's Monday. Probably wasn't there on Friday. And now it's it's just online right now. So that's why it's got like giant numbers. And then it's got these crazy piddly numbers here. It's just because the, the activity hasn't been put on that strike since that strike was just released, just open to the public. Generally asked, volume includes bought and sold. Yes, exactly. These are these are contracts that have been moved on volume. But like I say, dude, I have never seen it be consistent. I'm telling you, I will, I will, I don't even look at option volume. I it does not, in my opinion, volume is uh inconclusive especially when comparing to open interest because open interest is somebody wants somebody wants that other side of the trade right so consider it that way right the volume means a trade occurred open interest means somebody wants to trade with you right so i do at least 250 at least 250 my my rule of thumb is 250 or more um that's arbitrary i heard somebody say you want to have at least four times as many as you'll ever trade and so i'm like okay if i ever trade 80 contracts then you know uh, if I find a strike that's um, 250 or more, I should be good, right? Give or take. So would you buy something with high open interest and no volume? Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, the volume doesn't calculate like it would um, because open interest means like it's it's rolling, right? Open interest means people want to make the trade. Um, so yeah, for sure. I'm telling you, John Lee, I don't even look at volume. I only look at open interest. Um, I mean, we could just throw a few more out there like Tesla. And of course, these are names that people want to trade. So there's lots and lots and lots of activity on these. Uh, we could look at something not as exciting like Ford. I talked about that in the live stream this morning. It's still got crazy option volume right there, right? A thousand, six thousand, fifty thousand. Weird strike prices as well. <laughs> we could look at um, what else is boring? Coke, Coca-Cola. Thousands. Right. That's where my face. I don't know why I'm saying my face. That's where my head is. at. <laughs> Generally, how do full time traders get enough capital in the first place? Saving money, my friend, saving money, saving those tax returns. Hopefully, hopefully you'll get a refund um, and then. Not blowing up, right, because it's 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 uh, it's compounding, Nathan, that that is that is my biggest advice in this regard is a. Start saving money, right? It can be a hundred bucks a week. It could be a hundred bucks a month. It, it could be anything, right? You've got to have the capital to play the game, period. Um, and so, you know, just start adding to that. However, it's um, comfortable for you. Make it an automatic deposit, right? Consider it your savings account. Consider it your investing your in yourself account, right? Um, and then as it grows right you imagine imagine the first year of something you and nathan the first year of trading if you can break even you are so much better than anybody out there their first year i'm telling you dude if you if your first year of trading you could just break even you're doing out you're in the top 99 percent of traders i know that sounds crazy 
Second year of trading. If you can break even, you're in the top 99% of traders. I wouldn't even consider making big banks until you're at least three years plus because a lot of things are going to happen, right? Now, granted, following along with my trades, you're going to, I mean, in theory, you're going to get somewhat similar results to me. Position sizing will make a difference in there, right? Because if I'm putting 5% of my capital in and uh, you take a trade and you put 50% of your capital in and it's a winner, it's going to make a big difference. Like your wins are going to be way bigger than mine. But the opposite's true as well, right? If I put 5% of my capital in and I lose, I'm okay with that because I know like overall, my total net loss on the trade is going to be like 1% to 2% of my total account. Um, but if you put 50% in, that could be a, a huge amount. So it's all about, you know, saving, taking that time, saving it up and just don't have big losers, right? Compound wins, cut your losers as fast as you can. Um, he says, as in, how do they make trading a full-time job in the first place? So like with me, my gains come sporadically. And I think all traders gains come sporadically. There are people who day trade. I cannot do it. I'm telling you, I have tried over and over and over. I just cannot. I cannot sit in front of a screen all day. I can't do it. So my gains come in in big swaths. So there are people who make that their full-time income, right? I have, uh, dude, I have like eight active income streams. So I don't have to sit here and trade all day every day. This is capital appreciation for me, right? I hope that makes sense, right? This is This is growing my bank account versus growing or trying to feed my family. I got other income streams for that. Uh, but this is growing my growing my wealth. That's how I look at it. Uh, Watch channel is booking interesting at the moment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. BKNG. Sixty eight percent cumulative returns. It's got a big sell signal today on booking. Let's go to its chart. Holy moly. That is a big sell signal. But look at this. This one right here. Yeah. So I I, I if I were trading this, I, I would get I would get out clearly. Um and I've been out for a while. So I put my money where my mouth is. Nathan says, Yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking about for some people that have trading as their only job, that must be so stressful. Dude, I couldn't imagine. I've tried I'm telling you, I've tried. And um it's not that I couldn't do it, it's that the <laughs> the amount of life the amount of years that i take off <laughs> yeah the amount of years that i take off trying to sit in front of a screen all day uh trying to catch you know little bits of price movement is not worth the time or the return to me so and and this fits my lifestyle so much better i can take care of my kids. I can go to the gym. I can do everything I want to all day. And then at the same time, I'm not stressing. So that's just my personal opinion. Okay. Uh, let's jump into the market analysis and we'll keep it moving here. Welcome to the outlier trading room. This is how to trade in 10 minutes a day and exactly how to take the guesswork out of trading. Now I'm a partner with outlier and this is my style of trading using outlier. So, uh, it always starts with the market. I want to see the 10 over the 20 price over the 50 which we have, I, how many times do I have to tell you, don't bet against this trend. It is so strong right now. It may be concentrated in seven stocks, but it's strong as could be. Don't get in the way, right? However, this is a weak trend. 
because it does not have the breadth of the market behind it. In fact, the breadth of the market is retreating. So that means the concentration is getting tighter and tighter within these names, which is one reason why I don't want to be in those, right? Because uh, looking at, oh, that was the wrong button. Looking at NVIDIA, which is in all reality, this is an NVIDIA market. This is an NVIDIA rally that is pushing the entire market because it is such a large portion of the S&P 500 at this point. Google's down 4% today. NVIDIA's up just a smidge, 65 basis points. Um, and then we can look at the year-to-date performance. I mean, if you look at year-to-date performance, it's pretty muted, except in just a handful of stocks. NVIDIA being 60%. Amazon being 15, Meta 36, Apple's down on the year. Google's down on the year. Eli Lilly's got something going on. They're up 32%. Tesla's down 20% on the year, right? I'm sure you can remember a time not that long ago when you bought Tesla, it went up. That's just how it worked. Sebastian. (laughs) Hey, Fastbuy, very new to this. What's a 110, 2050 DMA you're talking about? You got it, my friend. So this is the 10-day exponential, 20-day exponential, and 50-day exponential moving averages. So if we go to this chart here, the 10 is the blue line on my chart. The 20 is the black line on my chart. The 50 day is the red line on my chart. I want to see the 10 over the 20 and the price being over the 50. Um, let me think of who's. Let's go to Google. Maybe Google will be a good example. Let's show. Yeah, there you go. So this is the 10 under the 20. Prices under the 50. I'm, I would be bearish as hell on this. I would be saying, watch out below. What's the outlier on this? Sell signal, February 1st, yeah. 75% cumulative returns. So yeah, I would be super bearish on that. But I, I, I don't... I have found out that um, it can be very costly to go short when the market's still pushing higher. So I'm not going to. That's why. And now, because this is the way that I trade, I would call this a transition day. Uh, I'm not in the market. I'm waiting for valid market setups. And as Mark Minervini would say, one of my trading mentors, he'd say, wait in cash for proper setups. How long? As long as it takes. Mark is the person who specifically taught me about including the breadth in my trading plan. He's like, look, man, when you have the breadth pushing higher and the market trending higher, and they just push together, it's so much easier. But when there's a conflict like this, step out of the market, let it resolve itself, and then step back in. And as you can see, it goes in waves, right? It goes in waves, and the wave of the breadth is down. So I wouldn't be surprised for when this turns around. And this is exactly what happened at the end of 2021. Breadth started like getting crushed. This is the exact of what happened in the end of 2021. When um, you remember in 2022, how hard it was to trade. Yeah, it was because breadth was trending down most of 2022. So if you were trying to go long during 2022, you were fighting an uphill battle. Like it it would be incredibly difficult. So this is exactly what happened before the sell off in 2022. And we'll see when it does happen. Right. I don't know. Uh, I did want to say I heard somebody this morning talking about fear and greed index where it's 77%. This is how outlier works. It's uh. You know, whenever things get too greedy, they throw sell signals, right? And that's, this is just another thing on here. I'm not saying we're going to crash. I'm saying I have 
very little confidence every single day as this pushes higher that it's going to be maintained. Let's go to our final thoughts. All right, so our final thoughts is a little different today. So this is from 2021. I just talked about how hard it was to trade in 2022. As market breadth was collapsing at the end of 2021, the market peaked like the last day of the year in 2021. This is about two weeks before that. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Mark Zuckerberg unloaded $42.9 billion of stock through the start of December, more than double the $20 billion they sold in all of 2020. Okay. And let's see. JP Diamond just sold for the first time $150 million of stock. He's the CEO of uh, JP Morgan. <laughs> I said JP Diamond, Jamie Diamond. Uh, Sold $150 million of stock for the first time. The Walmart family uh, just sold nearly $5 billion of stock in the last week. They sold it on Friday. The news is coming out today. Um, Here's the thing. You don't want to be their exit liquidity. There's a lot of people who are FOMOing into this market right now. We've seen this. We have seen this play out. Wind back your clock. November, December, January. From 2021 into 2022, we saw this happening. We're seeing it again. It's your choice. You want to FOMO into this market? By all means. I'm not going to. I'm not putting my my wealth at risk. No way. (laughs) But when things actually start working together, I'll be there. I'll be first in line with you guys. Holding hands, riding strong. Diamond can live off that in retirement. Dude, my retirement. That's like three weeks of my retirement. Thank you all so much for coming to today's Outlier Trading Room. Um, it's really cool to hang with y'all. I, I really appreciate that we can do this on a daily basis, and I hope that I bring you value. So thank you so much for coming to today, and I will see you right back here. Oh, wait a minute. What's the reverse of FOMO investing? Uh, cash investing, right? Just uh, sitting on your Benjamins, sit, sitting, sitting on some of these, right? Ooh, yeah. No, these are fake. I got these at the uh, Halloween store. I use these as bookmarks. Um, they look so legit. Like they are almost counterfeit. They're so good. Um, and I told Minervini about that when I first got these. He's like, dude, that's brilliant. Using these as bookmarks. Yeah. So I use these all the time. So that's my uh, reverse of FOMO investing. Hold my Benjamin's hands. Make it rain. <laughs> no, then I got cleaned up. <laughs> See y'all tomorrow. Talk soon. <laughs>